we've been studying in Colossians, and we'll, we, were gonna, we are going to get back to that. But it says in Colossians, you know, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. He said, let the word dwell in you richly. And, and you know, the first thing that I was not able to do was read. I was no, no reading, period. And I read all the time. That's probably why my, I'm so nearsighted, which he says is probably the cause of, my, of this happening, being very nearsighted. But I couldn't read anything. And so I'm like, what? But I, I want to say that the Word of God is indispensable. The Word of God is never dispensable. There's no paradox in terms of the Word of God that it is always indispensable. And, and, and so I, all I had to go on was what was in me. And then someone lent me a, a, a little thing that I could listen. And so I would listen to that, you know. But, but you can't do that all day long, right? And so, but for me, what, what I'm thinking about is Psalm 23 because I had memorized it years and years and years ago. So Psalm 23, I'm thinking, I'm going over that in my head. I'm, I'm holding on to it because, because I have it. It's mine, you see. And I believe, and, and I would encourage you to, to memorize Psalm 23. Most of us know like the Lord's Prayer. We know and we know specific verses, but to memorize like a whole chapter. Psalm 23, you can do it. You can do it. And, and I memorized it uh, years ago in the old King James, uh, as, as I'm going to quote from today. But let me read to you this, uh, what one commentator said about it. He said, millions of people have memorized this psalm. Even those who have learned few other scripture portions... It says, ministers have used it to comfort people who are going through severe personal trials, suffering illness, or dying. For some, the words of this psalm have been the last they have ever uttered in life. That's powerful. This is a powerful psalm. So if you're going to memorize one, that's a good one to memorize. Now, let me, let me just read it to you because... Uh, I'm afraid my memory will, you know, embarrass me in front of you. But I had to go through it, you know, over and over in my head by memory. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Is that powerful or what? I encourage you to just write it on a 3x5 card. You can get it on one 3x5 card and memorize it one verse at a time. So if something happens to you and you are no longer able to read, you're no longer able to listen even, you've got something there. When you hear about people who you know, were, were captured or were you know, put in prison, all they had was what they knew up here, what they remembered in here. Psalm 23 
Let's just go through it. You can turn with your, your uh, Bibles there to Psalm 23 and go along with me. Again, I'm going to use the, the King James Version because that's how I memorized it. He says, the, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And it begins with the Lord. And if you look at the very end of the psalm, it ends with the Lord. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It begins with the Lord, Yahweh. It ends with the Lord, Yahweh. It ends forever in eternity with the Lord God Almighty. For you and I who believe, who are, trust, are trusting in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, it begins with Him and ends with Him. He's the Alpha and what? The Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. It always wraps up around Him. But He says, the Lord is my shepherd. And you know what? <clears throat> Again, when, when you have this memorized and you're sitting and thinking about this, the Lord is my shepherd, you, you kind of have to understand and remember, listen, I'm just a sheep. I'm just a little baing sheep, right? I'm just a sheep. He's the shepherd and I'm a sheep. Sometimes we think, you know, we are in charge and we're like, uh, you know, I'm just a sheep. And the truth of the matter is, sheep are not very smart. Sheep are not very smart creatures. They're, they're, they're just not. And you and I, sometimes we're not very smart unless we think we are. And that's just proving that we're not. We need a shepherd. I need a shepherd. I need someone who's going who's to be my shepherd and, I, and, and, and not be afraid to admit it. That's pride when we're afraid to admit that, that I, need, I need a shepherd. I need someone who's going to be there over me to guide me and lead me. But it's not a man. It's not a person. It's the Lord. It's Him. Yeah, He gives pastors and teachers and, and, and leaders in the church to help, but ultimately, really, the, the job of those are to point to Him, to lead us to Him, to have a direct one-on-one -on -one relationship with Him. I need a shepherd. You know what Jesus said in, in John chapter 10. He says, I am the good shepherd. He says it twice in that chapter. He says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He said, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. There's this personal relationship between us and the shepherd. Not just us and our, our good buddy, but us and a, and a shepherd that, that we're sheep and he's going to watch out for us no matter what. Have you come to the place where you understand that? Notice Notice he says that David says here that the Lord is my shepherd, and it's a very personal thing. It's, very, it's a very personal in terms of each individual. Now, of course, it gets to the place where we corporately, we corporately, you know, as the body of Christ, we join together, and that's where you find the Lord's Prayer saying, you know, our Father who art in heaven. And, and so we gather together, but, but it had, it, you can't get to the Our Father until you are at the My Shepherd. The Lord is My Shepherd. Until you and I have a relationship, a very personal relationship with Him, that's where it starts. The Lord is My Shepherd. He, he's there for me. When you go through different trials in life, one of the things that you'll find is that it's very lonely and you're very by yourself. 
You know, when, I, when I'm there and everybody's gone, I'm there and I'm in my 45-degree position, and there's no one else around, it's just me. When, when you're going to sleep at night, there's no one else. You're not talking to people, it's just you. When you enter into that valley of the shadow of death, it's just you. Yeah, yeah there can be other people around you, but ultimately, in the end, it's just you and him. You say, well, that's kind of sad, but you know what? That's just the reality of it. And so that's why it's so, so important for us to know that relationship when the Lord is my shepherd. And then he goes on to say, I shall not want. And, and for me, that, that kind of like, that, that's a challenging statement about contentment. Can I say that the Lord is my shepherd? I shall not want. I, I don't want anything else. He, you know, he gives me everything I need. Can I be content with what he's given me and what I have? Or do I want what somebody else has? I'm just like human like you too, and there's times I think about that person over there or that church over there or this thing going on over there. But one of the Proverbs says that, you know, heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones, wanting what someone else has. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's almost like he's, it's a decision, though, the, the way it's worded, I shall not want. I will not. I will not want. Because, because if I truly believe that, that the Lord God Almighty is my shepherd, then why would I want what some other sheep has? Why would I want what some other person has? What some other group, what some other church, whatever. David Guzik said this, he says, I shall not want, he says, it's both a declaration and a decision. I'm declaring, I shall not want, but I'm also making that decision, I shall not want. I, I, I decide, I'm not going to want. He says this as well, he says, it means that all my needs are supplied by the Lord my shepherd, and it means I decide not to desire more than what the Lord my shepherd gives. He knows what you need. That's one of the things he said. It says in the Word, you know, he knows what we need before we even pray. The Lord's my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I mean, you can go, you can just talk about that the whole time, but, but you, you know, again, to get this Word inside of us and then meditate on it and think about what is he, what is he saying. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. How about verse 2? It says, He maketh me. to lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me, forces me. And, and you know, when you think about sheep again, there, there are times when the shepherd has got to physically stop that sheep from going off the cliff or what, whatever direction. He's got to physically say, listen, you know, you have no clue what you're doing right now. This is where the green pasture is. Stop right now. Now, now again, going from 60 to zero, that's not an, always an easy transition, you know, when you're forced to do it. But look what it says. It says that he, he, he makes me lie down in green pastures where the food was. And so for us to, to, to when, it, when we're in these places where we've got to stop for whatever reason, to see that the food is there. There's a green pasture there. Someone said this, the implication is that the sheep don't always know 
what it needs, what's best. So needs the help from the shepherd to, to find that out. How often, though, we, again, we are, God has put us in this place where the green grass is, the green pastures, and, and where are we looking? Over there somewhere else. The grass is always greener on the other side. You know that that's like a natural, like human thing that we do. But God didn't put you on the other side of the fence. And, and so often we see it, I've seen it over and over, when God you know, gives us what he's given to us, he's the shepherd, he's provided for us, and we're looking over somewhere, and even we take steps to get over on the other side, and we get over and they go, wow, it's really not, it's not that green over here. It's like brown and dry, and I, I, wish, I, I wish I never had left where he had me. And sometimes it's not so easy to get back to where we should be, but he allows us in his grace and mercy to get back there. There's a time when, you know, like Ecclesiastes 3 says, there's a time for all things, time for every purpose under heaven. And there's a time when he wants us to stop. But then he goes on to say, he leads me beside the still waters. And there's a time when we have to follow his leading. But he takes us beside the still waters and there's time to be still. And, and, and Psalm 46.10, another verse said that most of us have memorized, be still and what? Be still and know that I am God. There's times to be still and to stop and to just think about him, to be still. Because when... Let's face it, this life is, a, is an extremely busy life. And most of us are going at 60 to 90 miles an hour. And, 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 and how much time do we take in the middle of a day or even in the middle of a week to stop and be still? To stop and to be still. He's leading me beside the still waters. It doesn't mean he's going to keep us there all the time. But I think, and I, I truly think and believe this, that we need to have these regular times of just being still before God. Just being still before Him. Really, on a daily basis, where we just, us and Him, we get together with Him for just even a few minutes a day and we be still before Him. It's crucial. Verse 3 says, He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. I don't know about you, but, but you know, as I thought and meditated on that, that those words, he restores my soul, you know, our, the truth is our souls need restoring, even when, we don't need, even when we don't know that they need restoring. You might be saying, my soul's fine. I don't need to be restored. I'm fine. Until you get the brakes slammed on and then you realize, well, like, maybe my soul isn't quite as restored as I thought it was. And he begins to show us and he begins to kind of say, listen, I needed you to stop. I needed you to be still because you're a little more messed up than you think you are. You know, in a lot of different ways. I'm messed up. Why? Because I'm human, because I'm a sinner, because I'm in the flesh and the body. I'm messed up, and I need to stop and be restored by God. But He restores my soul. It's not like I read a book, you know, the ten you know, quick steps to having your soul restored. 
And like I said, I read all the time. I, le- I read a lot of books, and, and you know, but th- those kind of get to me when they're saying, you know, if you just follow these steps. And I've tried in some, in some cases, well, if you just do these certain steps, this will happen. And, and, and you know what? They sell a lot of books that way. Solomon said, of the making of many books, there is no end. But just after that, he says, you know, the end of the matter is to fear God and to keep his commandments. Restored to a place of purity, restored to a place of strength, restored to a place of devotion, restored to a place of single-mindedness, restored, you know, restoring my soul, restoring my vision. This didn't ha- this, these things don't happen overnight. You know, it's been a slow process. It's been like four weeks from today when it really kind of hit. But it's, you know what, it feels like four months. It feels like a long time. Like four weeks. That, really, when you think, when you look back, say four weeks, that's like nothing. Like four weeks is nothing. But going through it, you feel like, man, four weeks. It felt like, literally, it felt like four months since I've been here. God wants to restore us. I really believe that. And maybe we need to ask him, Lord, is there, are there areas in my life that I need to be restored that I, that I, you know, I'm just kind of wandered off. I'm kind of like I've missed out on something. I'm not aware of what's going on within, even within my own heart. He restores my soul. Verse 4, he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I didn't look in a bunch of other versions because this is what I memorized it in, but this verse starts off with the word yea. But it's not the word yea when we think of the word yea, you know, yea, I'm walking through the valley. No, it's a different yea. It's like, hey, listen. You know what I'm saying? There's two different kinds of yea. One has an H on the end, I think, to be specific. This is just Y-E-A. He goes from the green pastures to the still waters to the paths of righteousness to the valley. Boy, life, life is interesting, isn't it? Life is varied. And, and, and if it was all the same, if it was just green pasture, green pasture, green pasture, you'd get bored with that, right? But it, he, he kind of mixes it up for us so we have like different things that we can do. And now he says you're in the valley. You're in the valley. The truth of the matter is that things don't grow very well up on top of the mountains. In fact, the higher up in elevation you go, you, you begin to get to a place where hardly anything grows. You know, you get up above the tree lines and then like up way, way up there, like nothing growing. It's fantastic up there. And the view is incredible, but nothing much is growing over there. But down in the valley where, you know, where the, the, the waters have come through and the waters have brought, uh, you know, all the sediments and, and, and all the minerals and all the, the stuff in the soil, things just grow incredib- incredibly. We used to live in the San Joaquin Valley in California and stuff like anything you planted would grow. 
because of it was a valley because of the water that had come through and the, the things that, that were in the soil there. Now he's in the valley. Maybe you're in a valley. And you wish you weren't in a valley. But we've already seen that the Lord is our shepherd. And if, if we're in a valley, the Lord, he knows about it. And he's talked already about leading us. Two instances, he, he mentions the word about leading. And now we find ourselves in a valley and we, and we say, no, my Lord would never lead me into the valley. No, my Lord, he's a good shepherd. He would never let me go through a valley. That's not what my Bible says. It says that, that life is full of tribulation and troubles and trials and, and, and that. But, but what does it say? What's the promise here? He says that, that he'd be with us in the valley. Notice he says, though, yea, though I walk through the valley. And, and, and you know, one of the first things that, that I felt as I was thinking about this is that I want to get this over with. I don't want to walk through the valley. I want to run through the valley. I want to have this over as soon as possible. I want to get back. But as I realized, you know what? There's no running through the valley. There's no running through the valley. And, and what the danger is that we can miss the point of the valley. We can miss what God wants to teach us in the valley. We can miss the growth that's in the valley if we're just all we can think about is getting out of the valley. He says the valley of the shadow of death. And, and uh, I had to think about this. You know, there's lots of different kinds of death, isn't there? There's lots of different kinds of death. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's someone else has died and we're going through a valley because of the shadow of death is, is cast over us and because we're, we're grieving because we've lost someone that meant a lot to us. Maybe it's our own our own lives are coming to that end. We're coming to this place where the, the, the death is impending. Maybe it's a death of a relationship. Maybe it's the death of, of some career. Maybe it's the death of, of some kind of ability. We're walking through this valley in the shadow of death, but he says, I'll fear no evil. I, I'm not going to let fear of evil, control. You know, there, there is certainly the reality of evil in this world. And sometimes when we're in a weakened spot, in a weakened position, that, you know, we can be kind of uh, attacked and fear and, and evil kind of, you know, but he says, no, what? No, I'm not, not going to let fear take over my life. He says, because why? Because you are with me. That's really the, the whole thing about this verse is that he says, because you are with me. And notice it changes in, in that, in, from the previous verses to right here. He says, the Lord is, and he talks about he, he. But now in the valley, he says, you. See, it's a personal thing, but then it gets even more personal where he's talking. He's talking now directly to the Lord. You're with me. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This rod and staff, you know, the, some are, there, there's some different opinions about this, and some believe that it was just, it was uh, two ways of describing the one instrument, and some feel it was two separate instruments. Either way, 
Uh, I think there's different purposes in, in, in whether it was one instrument or two. And the rod, really, uh, I always just thought of it as a rod of correction, which it is. It is a rod of correction, and, and, and the Proverbs talk about that same word being, you know, spare the rod and spoil the child. And, you know, the rod of correction speaks about in, in, that, in, the, in the Proverbs. And there is a, a sense of discipline where God wants to work in us. In Hebrews chapter 11, one chapter that I kept listening to on the, on the little, uh, um, little device over and over, I was listening to chapter uh, 11 and 12 of Hebrews, and he talks about, you know, the discipline, the correction. He says, if, if, if your father's disciplined you, he says, the Lord is your father and he loves you even more. They, your human fathers disciplined you as they thought best, but he says, our father in heaven, he disciplines us for our good, that we might share in his holiness. There's a place where, you know, we need some discipline. And, and if we never get discipline, we, we have to wonder that he's not being a very good father or shepherd. And those dumb sheep, pardon my French, need discipline sometimes, and you and I do too. But the other purpose of a rod, too, was to fight off the predators, to beat those, uh, you know, the wolves away. And, and, you know, his rod and his staff, his rod would beat them off. And that's a comfort for me to know that God is, he's watching over me, he's protecting me. And he won't allow anything in my life that he's not going to be there to help me get through and understand and to learn from. But the staff, on the other hand, that speaks about like direction. The staff speaks of direction and both of them, I think both bring comfort for this reason is that he cares and that he's involved. He cares and he's involved. You know, when you give your uh, you know, young child a, a swat on the hand, you know, well, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Well, they don't always agree with you on that point. But it's true. He cares. And any discipline, any direction, any correction that he might give is because he wants us to share in his holiness. And he's involved in my life. You know, through this whole trial, you know, he's involved in this. I can't get away from that, that he is involved in this. This isn't some surprise. Like, oh, oh, my he says up there, you know, oh my, you got a, you got, that happened to you? How'd that happen? You know, like he's surprised by it. Like what? Gosh, I'm going to have to study up on this, he says. I'm going to have to do a Google search and see if I can find out what that's all about. <laughs> no. He cares. He's comforting me in the middle of it. Verse 5, we need to finish up. We're running out of time. He said, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. The fact of the matter is we do have enemies. We can't get away from enemies, but he says that he's got a table spread for us right in the presence of our enemies. A banquet and a feast. We don't even have to worry about it. He's taking care of us. He's feeding us. We've got a feast right there. Says he's anointing our heads with oil, and when they talked about anointing heads with oil, they didn't talk about like we do. We take a little, you know, a little drop and put it on the finger, and you know, kind of like anoint your head with oil. We have some oil over here if you want us to pray for you. If you want us to really anoint your head with oil, though, what they do is they'd actually take it and they they'd like pour it out, 
And you read it in the Psalms where it, it looked kind of like it uh, over Aaron, as it said, it came down over his head and, and got all through his beard and everything. And that, and that much oil. We don't have that much here for you now. Maybe we got some down in the kitchen, but he anoints my head with oil and it was soothing. And it also, he anointed uh, Aaron to serve him. He said, my cup is running over. He, he, he has enough to, to provide and our cups run over. In verse 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All the days of my life, he says, goodness and mercy. Even when we're forced to stop, even when we're by the still waters, even when we're in the valley, even when enemies are attacking all around us, he says, goodness and mercy following me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy. But he says it doesn't end there. He says, and this is the truth for every one of us, is that we who believe and trust in him, he says, will dwell in the house of the Lord forever into eternity. It doesn't end here. It doesn't end with this life. This life is difficult. And you know, some people have it much worse than others. Some people, their lives, it seems, their lives are in a valley from beginning to end. But most of us, we kind of go, you know, it's like an up and down thing. It's most of us have a you know, variety of lots of different things in our lives. But the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I don't want what someone else has. I want, I want what the Lord wants for me. The Lord is my shepherd. I want to close with uh, Psalm 139, if you'll turn with me. Just going to read it, and then we'll close. Psalm 139. We know some of the verses from this psalm, but <clears throat> I don't have this one all memorized. Psalm 139, it says, O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. This is by the same person who wrote, The Lord is my shepherd. You have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in, behind and before. Let me read that again. You hem me in, behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light becomes night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, 
Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Incredible. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake, I'm still with you. If only you would slay the wicked, O God. Away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do, not, do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there is any offensive or wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's pretty incredible. Psalm 139. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that... You care about us so much. Even your thoughts about us, they're more than the grains of sand. We can't even count how, how much you think about us, how much you care about us, that we can't, even, we can't even imagine. And sometimes we try to get away, but you, you're there. You, we can't get away from you. And you created us. You know everything about us. You know me. You know each person here, and you love us. You gave us your son because you loved us and cared about us so much. Father God, I pray that you would have your hand upon each one of us as we surrender, as we submit, and as we confess that we are but sheep and you are the shepherd. You are the good shepherd. We hold on to you. You'll never let go of us. Never let go of us. Father, I pray for each person here today. We all have our own pastures, our own places of still water, our own valleys, our own experiences of death, and yet you're there with us. I pray you'd encourage your people here today. And any that might hear this message at a later date on the radio or or in some other way that you are with us you will never leave us or forsake us no matter where we are no matter what we're going through the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want we surrender to you Lord I pray for any here this morning who perhaps has never bowed the knee to make you the shepherd I pray here and now for each one of those people here who might be here today to just simply surrender and say, I need a shepherd. I'm a sheep and I'm not that smart. And all you need to do is pray and, and ask him in. All you need to do is pray and receive him and trust in him as a good shepherd. And simply say, Lord, I, I come to you and I ask you to be my shepherd. I believe in the cross where you showed that you loved me so much that you died on the cross for my sin. You were buried and you rose from the dead, defeating death that I might have life through you. And I come today in Jesus' name. 
Father, thank you for your word. May we, may we hide your word in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.